1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
0: Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium, and of course, my new publishing company called Zivi Books. And now, back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids.
2: Hi. Hi. Hello.
0: Enjoy the show. Megan Fairchild is the author of The Ballerina Mindset, How to Protect Your Mental Health While Striving for Excellence. Megan is a principal dancer with New York City Ballet. After moving from Utah to New York City at the age of 16 to study ballet full-time, she was offered an apprenticeship with NYCB and was promoted to principal, the highest rank just three years later. In 2014, she took a temporary leave to play the lead role, Miss Turnstiles, in the Broadway musical, On the Town. She's also the host of the advice podcast, Ask Megan, a brand ambassador for Cole Hahn, and an MBA student at NYU's Stern School of Business. And by the way, the paperback of this book is coming out now, so very exciting news. Welcome, Megan. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss the ballerina mindset, how to protect your mental health while striving for excellence. Thanks for having me. I need this book. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) In fact, every chapter as I went through, I was like, okay, a chapter on anxiety. Great. A chapter on eating. Yes. A chapter, like everything went on. I was like, I need this one. I need this one. (laughs) So thank you for sharing your story and for all the advice. I'm so glad it resonated. Yes. Thank you. Will you tell listeners a little bit more about this book and also what made you decide to write this? You're this super successful ballerina and have had an amazing career and all the rest. Why take time out to now write a book?
1: I actually was always really shy with the idea of ever like having a, a book. And there's been other dancers that write about their careers, but I always thought that was so not me. And then it just happened supernaturally. I did a little podcast. I spent a year on Broadway. It was a, a big departure from the ballet world. And I felt like I realized everyone thinks ballet dancers are like such an intense type of person. And so many people, when I, like even the stage hands on my Broadway show were like, wow, this is not what I expected a ballerina to be like. And I was like also feeling the need to give back to all of the fans and stuff that I had developed. And um, like young dancers to show them like, this is what our industry is like and we're really normal people and blah, blah, blah. And kind of to demystify it. So I made a podcast called Ask Megan just to kind of help mothers and their their kids who were dancers understand our industry a little better because I really felt the media misconstrues it. And then an editor from Penguin Publishing contacted me and she was like, I've been using your advice to help myself run a marathon. I'm not a dancer at all. And I really think you have a book here. And so we met together and flushed out like 10 big life lessons that I felt were worthy of sharing and things that I wish my younger self had known. And she really helped me to pose it in more of a universal light because she felt it had that type of message.
0: Which it does. <laughs> <laughs> So let's like go through a few of them because they're all like super helpful. Let's see, let's talk about the, let's start with the the beginning with facing anxiety, because obviously this is pervasive right now. Um, And you did a good job of sort of spelling out why anxiety makes no sense, even though we all do it. Right. So tell me about your experience with anxiety, how you're managing it now, and what's been the most helpful for you?
1: Yeah. Like, I'll give a little example that I give in the book. The very first time I had my first big role, it wasn't even huge, but I was wanting to do so well. And it felt like I was being really featured for the first time. I stayed up till four in the morning the night before crying on the phone to my mom. My back hurt from working on the piece a lot. And I was just so building it up into this enormous thing. And especially at night, you know, we all really stress at night. And so I got no sleep and I like ended up really like sabotaging my opportunity. And I I was okay and I got through it. But like, I look back at my younger self and all of these times when I was really like wasting time freaking out. And I, I, I would tell students now, like that's time that could be used to just make yourself more consistent in what you're working on. And and so I've had to really learn to like reframe it. And also to know that like that, you know, those butterflies you're gonna get before something important are actually a useful tool to help you prepare if you can channel it in the right way. So I also try to look at it more as like not something to doubt myself with, but something to give me energy. And, and then like this is an important adrenaline rush that I need to take this to the next level for performance. Um, but also I, I talk later in the book about something that really has helped me just in general stay more balanced and, and cope better under difficult, stressful times is meditation. So I I don't even have that much time to meditate these days, but if I really need to like reroute my energy, I have this tool. I can go be like, I'm tapping out to my husband. I need 20 minutes to myself. I need to change my mindset. I need to change my energy. And I go and I I meditate and I, I come out feeling... Pressure. I feel like the things that were imploding in on me are further away and I have more space around me and I just can be the person that I want to be in life, you know? So, and that, that's always, that's been the best benefit for me is that I feel like I properly treat all of the people around me in the way that I want to. And I don't let stress get in the way of all those things.
0: Wow. Goals. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm still working on all of it. Just ask my husband. Probably say I still have lots of work to do, but I have the tools now. You know, and like the younger me didn't know this, and that's why I wanted to write this book because I feel like for me, meditation was such a game changer, such a game changer.
0: I have not been able to get into meditation at all. I know it's supposed to be so good, but I don't know. know, I usually like take a time out and read or something, or take a walk, or I think
1: it's whatever works for you, right? But for me, the reason that meditation kind of like, I got really into it first was because someone more senior than me at work suggested that I would benefit from it. And then also I did, she had me doing TM. You have to pay for it. It's like a thousand dollars to like do your lessons. And I was like, okay, well, this is a commitment. It was almost, Honestly, I, I feel like that that amount of money made me be like, you know, I'm making a commitment towards this that I'm not going to squander. I really am going to give this its full effort. And and somehow the, the money part helped me to be consistent in the beginning and understand how much it could help me. And of course, it's going to pay the teachers and everything, and it's how they function mm-hmm. as an organization. But for me, that was like a good motivator because I don't like wasting money. <laughs> yeah,
0: no. <laughs> Let's talk about your whole section about your food intake, time when... Yeah. Well, you just go. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, I'm sure a lot of people think dancers have really weird eating habits and, you know, having a magnifying glass on your, those things and and what you're putting into your body can kind of mess with your brain. And I had to learn that, you know, over time, it's not that we are, you know, it's not that you can't, as a, sorry, as a dancer, you have to be in control of what you're putting into your body. Like, that is important. We can't say that, oh, you can look like whatever you want as a dancer and that's fine. Like, we're really working towards an ideal of everyone's optimal health. It's not that everyone has to be, like, rail thin like this or that. We have all different types of muscularity in the company, especially in an American ballet in general, there's there's a wider range of physiques. And so I think that's good for young dancers and people to know in general that we're not trying to like not be who we are. We're trying to be our best selves. So I got really stressed out at the beginning of my career before I had meditation and all of these tools to, to cope with all of these moments where I had to execute well under pressure. And the way the stress manifested in me was I started binge eating and I think it was also the stress of, okay, I had that costume fitting now and the costumes are very tight and thick and you don't want to feel uncomfortable when you're dancing. Cause then you don't even have like the range of motion to do arabesque. So like you really want your costume to fit exactly like the way you tried it on in that, in that fitting. And so the idea that I had to kind of stay in a, um, the same place weight wise and physically like that kind of stressed me out didn't really understand how to do that and so it all kind of manifested as like I would kind of try to eat really really healthy and then the stress would get to me and I would just eat like an entire box of cookies or just like two pieces of pizza and then an enormous sugar cookie from the bakery down the street or even two of them it was just like disgusting and I didn't feel good and it was it was that's like dinner by the way <laughs> Now, you know, now I look at it. I remember feeling a lot of shame when I was having those moments. And I was like, even like hiding some of the food from my boyfriend, like thinking that like, I was like gross. And I look back and I'm like, no, I needed to refuel my body. My -hmm. body was telling me important signs and signals. And I'm just so much more in tune with it now. But how I got there was being able to give myself permission to have a real meal and and it stopped this vicious cycle of like insane snacking and the biggest thing i do now is that i do not deny myself a craving and i actually there is some nutritionists on like tiktok and instagram now that i follow that i think have it so right there's one that her, she's called to the point nutrition and it's um writing this down. <laughs> yeah she's for dancers but it's for i think everybody has this you know, we want to be our best selves and, and we want to detach ourselves from the stress of of the anxiety of, of food and the scale and all of this stuff. And it's about giving yourself that craving. And by not ever denying things, you're never going to have this huge binging session because you've limited yourself. And it took me a while to learn that, like, I do get to deserve to have a cookie. I just don't need three each time. And, and so giving that permission, it's just, I don't know. I, I also married to a French guy now. And I feel like there's always this like stigma that French women, like they give themselves pieces of chocolate and they (laughs) eat and whatever, and they still have amazing bodies. But, But I kind of like, look at how they eat and it's like, they eat really rich food and they sit down and they take time to eat. They don't eat on the run. It's a social event. They have the placemat set. And there's no like diet food on the menu, but you get full when you take your time, when you give yourself that fat or that, you know, whatever to fill yourself up. Have you read the book, French women don't get fat? I think I skimmed it. Yeah, (laughs) Totally. Because it's such a, you know, how are they doing this? And they're so, I think they're very conscious about what they're, they're looking like. But from the outside, it's it's a good lesson of how to let go and and have a little bit healthier approach is, is just how I found to, to do it. And it's so, so, so freeing when you get to that place where you go sit down at a restaurant with friends and you're not like, okay, what's like the skinniest thing I can eat? You know? <laughs> I feel like I used to do that to myself. And now I'm like, what do I want? What's my body telling me? Oh, I want something salty. I must be dehydrated. Like, I need, you know, some sodium. I'm going to get some fries. And then I, it's like something, I, I don't need all the fries I can have until I feel full. I never get that feeling now where I'm feeling disgusted with myself because I went too far past. And that's a really nice place to be. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a journey. We all have to learn the balance for ourselves, but I'm I, I'm enjoying my 30s more than I am my 20s. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I
0: know, I think it, I've heard it often comes down to regulation, right? How we regulate our moods, how we regulate yeah. what we eat, when we eat. And it's not something to feel so punitive about. It's just like you're trying to regulate, you know, like a. Yeah. What like do a, I need? Yeah. Regulation almost, which yeah. sounds, I think, much less judgmental or something,
1: yeah, right? Totally. It's That's like the you're truth just. Of it. You can't be judging what your body is telling you you need. Yeah. And when you start to, you get a whole issue in your head about it that takes it to a really unhealthy place.
2: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass- For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
0: Is it hard in the ballet world? I mean, it's, it's one thing to say this. It's like, you know. Yeah. A mom, like, what am I doing? And nobody sees me in my sweatpants, you know, but it's another, you, you literally do have to be on display as you're talking about with the costumes. And I mean, your body is, is your career and yeah. like, you can't mess it up. It would, you would lose everything if you get, yeah, right? can't hide yeah. either. And you so can't it's something hide, you yeah.
1: have to really come to terms with at the beginning. And if you kind of can't get past those first couple years, people, people sometimes leave because they can't get, uh, the, Good, healthy understanding of their body and its needs and what it's supposed to look like. And so it's difficult. And also, we all get in the company when we're going through puberty, like 17, 18. And that's a time where like your body's changing a lot. And that's hard to be trying to fit in costumes and like showing up to work one day and suddenly your boobs are twice the size they (laughs) were before. (laughs) You know, so like I found that stressful. But really, truly, the schedule that we pull is like, the best thing you could do to keep yourself in shape. And so if you know how to have a, a healthy mental approach to your eating on top of that, you're going to be looking the best that you could look doing what we do. You know, it's like I get people ask because I've had babies. They're like, how'd you get back in shape? I'm like, my job is going to the gym. <laughs> like, I'm very lucky in that way. I, I'm not trying to multitask that aspect. That is my job is to train myself. So that's a, a, a benefit. <laughs> Do you feel like you're in a good
0: place? I don't mean to talk
1: so much about eating. I'm sorry,
0: but um, do you feel like you're in a good place with the babies? You know, like how you're going to approach food and all of that with them?
1: Absolutely. I I think I got a little nervous with my firstborn because she could seem to like eat endlessly. And I was like nervous about that. And like, I had to let go and know that no, her body's telling her what she needs too. and, And I have three girls, right? And they're all very, very different. And so I really am want to make sure that I support them in that journey of young adulthood in a, in a healthy way, because it can be really damaging. And also when you're different than your siblings, that can be difficult too. So I'm definitely super aware of it. I, and I just want to make, I I don't want to, I have one (laughs) former colleague. She, when she had her firstborn, she would like make her stand in front of the mirror and talk like self-love to her body. Like, look how beautiful I am. And I'm not not going that far, but like that kind of mindset, like, you know, and and that's a, a little bit why I would be fearful of her to enter into this world because it is super judgmental. And we're like being judged in front of a mirror, in front of people all day long. And then you do it in front of an audience. And like, I've come out on the other end and I've survived it, but I would be very protective of my daughters to go into that environment and I wouldn't want them to feel insufficient, you know, and I don't, wouldn't want them to feel also that they had to achieve what I achieved. So in a way I'm like, I hope they appreciate ballet, but I also hope they find their own thing. And how old are they now? I have twins that are nine months and a toddler that just turned three.
0: Aww.
1: Yeah. It's really have- a lot of fun. Stressful as you know, yeah. but really I'm having the best time. The other night at Tinder, my toddler sat down and she <laughs> said, babe, to my husband, babe, so how was your day? <laughs> <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> they say the funniest things. It's that amazing. So
2: funny.
0: <laughs> uh, I know I, my, my son this morning was like, do you want a blanket? And I was like, oh, that is so sweet of you to offer. Thank you. And he's like, no worries. I got you. <laughs> 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 like, where is he even saying this from? But anyway, uh, yeah, I have twins too, which is its own, you know, its own thing. Now they're 14 and a half, which sounds oh, ancient. Wow, years, but yeah, I actually wrote this thing. Maybe I'll send it to you. Yeah. I, I self published this when my twins were tiny, but it was like how to survive. What did I even call it? Little morsels, like how to survive having twins. Or oh, twin I love that. I, or love that. I would love that. So, this. as a fellow twin city mom, not twin city. Are they, city, twins are
1: they in the, the same gender? Boy girl. Oh, that's fun.
0: Yeah, kind of. (laughs) No, okay. (laughs) No, it's okay. They're so different. So you just have to remind them, you know, you just happen to share the same space to be born, but you're really just
1: siblings. So exactly. Mine are so different too. They're two girls and I'm like, the only thing they share is a birthday. Mm -hmm. Everything else about them is different. It's incredible. It's incredible.
0: It's hard having to go through the same things and, and be such different people. Like I think yeah. that's the hardest thing. And someone's always ahead or behind on
1: everything. Exactly. Exactly. And and you wouldn't normally even like notice. Right. But yeah, I have one that's always she's standing up before the other one. She was yeah. crawling before the other one. And you yeah. know, the other one always gets there and in her own time. So yeah. Yeah. It should be interesting learning how to mom navigate that.
0: <laughs> I would say honestly, a lot of the characteristics of my twins at nine months have stayed. Interesting. Yeah. Who does things first? Who, you know, just a lot of the behaviors, even like how they act in play group, and I I, I have found that to be fairly consistent. That's
1: so interesting, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait till they're talking to
0: each other. I never did this, and I wish I had. But just like spend twenty minutes or something, and just write down like their behavior in a group, their behavior alone, like. Okay. personality traits and then like put it away and bring it out in 10 years or something and just see. Okay,
1: that's cute. Like not, that time you'll, time.
0: not that you'll remember, but anyway. I mean, I mean, you might, but I probably wouldn't. But <laughs> So- what is it like, and you probably get asked this all the time, so I, I'm sorry to be trite, but I'm curious, like when you are on stage and you're dancing and doing a whole performance in front of all these people at the very top of this field, like what do you, what are you thinking and feeling in that moment as you're doing all your moves on stage? Like where, where is your brain? What is going through mm-hmm. your head? And like, how does
1: it feel to you? When I was younger, I used to be thinking, Oh, here comes that scary step that I didn't get in rehearsal a lot. And I was way too in my head. And now, especially with the help of meditation, I am really, I first of all, just the older I get, the more I just love what I do because I'm getting so used to it. It's like, how many years? I've been doing this for 20 years now. I, I love what I do. I I feel my most comfortable in that space of performing in front of thousands of people. And it's, it's just kind of, it's a special thing because you've worked and rehearsed and rehearsed, but then like, it all comes together in the show in this amazing way because you have the orchestra and the lights and the makeup. And like, so your body kind of like arrives in the moment and does things that, you know, sometimes you even couldn't do in rehearsal and like all of that stuff coming together in that just one moment in time. It's so special. And like, then the audience witnessing it, and you don't even know what's going to happen. Like that's the thrill of it. And I've learned to love that. I think I used to be terrified of it and I've learned to love it. And so now what I really focus on when I'm out there is hearing the music and we have a 60 piece orchestra and I didn't really appreciate it until I went to Broadway and everybody was so excited. We had a 20 piece orchestra or something. I was like, that's nothing. <laughs> and so it is, you know, and we rehearsed a piano the same melodies and stuff. And then you get to the live show and you hear this music that's so incredible and it brings it to life in this even more spectacular way. So I don't know, like, you know, doing what we do, you got to love the journey. and But that's why the pandemic was hard because I really also feed off of that performance aspect and hearing the audience's applause. And so it's like the only way that you can communicate with them is what they're you know, what they sound like after you perform and it's this connection you share, you know, we like silently communicate and and share something in that, in that evening. And I just love it. So that was a big thing missing from the pandemic. And I, a lot of dancers, younger dancers in the company left because it was just, this isn't worth it. They, and they forgot or didn't know what was waiting for them on the other Mm. side, you know? Oh yeah.
0: Um, um, I'm sorry. I, th- yeah, I mean, it's just like everybody's pandemic experience. You know, I remember at, at the beginning thinking like, "Oh my gosh, all the stories I'm going to hear about this." And then it's right, like, right. ballet dancer, what do you do?" And you're used to that. It's
1: like, I mean, we were dancing. Our our company sent five by eight square foot Marleys, so it's like the surface that we dance on. Because with point shoes and the satin, the it's very slippery unless we have this special surface. And so they sent it out to all of us. We had this little rectangular patch to dance on after our stage is enormous. We're known for covering space and traveling. And then we were like diminished to this teeny little space for a year and a half. It was just like heartbreaking. It was truly heartbreaking. But I also knew if we can make it through this, we are going to be so resilient. We're never going to complain again. And we're going to always be grateful for every opportunity to be together, even if it's not performing, just to come together and dance to our our pianist and take class together. Even just that is something that I will never take for granted ever again.
0: So nice. Do you ever worry when you're in the middle of a performance, like that no one can reach you? You know, like that, what if something happens to your kids or like, what if...
1: Oh, my God. I never thought of that. You know, my my performances are only like half an hour long, usually because we're part of New York City Ballet. So it's a repertory kind of format instead of long full lengths. But even if I was doing a full length, because we do some of them, you know, I go back to my dressing room at intermission. So it's like every half hour, I kind of check in on my phone. All right, you know, so I don't ever feel super far away. I, I, I feel. <laughs> I'm sorry. I
0: I like to That's manufacture <laughs> things to worry about. So there you go. You know.
1: <laughs> I'm, yeah, I, I'm never, I never thinking. really went there. I, I'm <laughs> now. I will. <laughs> no, don't. No.
0: Oh my gosh. And do you do you think you'll go back to Broadway again? Like, did you? Lo- what did? What was oh, that like?
1: No, I mean it made me realize what a hustle it is. First of all, all of those people really are scrambling each time they're trying to get an, into a new show. And, and can so you talk mean, about what what play you were involved oh, in yeah. and all that whole thing? For people. To- yeah, absolutely. In 2014, I was part of the revival of On the Town, which is like, there's a movie with Gene Kelly and I forget who else. The same. Anyways. And it was originally on on Broadway and then they did a movie with it. It was different music. So anyways, it's like that song, New York, New York. It's a wonderful town. and Yeah. yeah. So it was like this 50s show and it was so fun. And I was like the love interest of the lead. And I had to sing and act on stage and it was just the wildest experience. And yeah, I learned from that that like they work really, really hard. I mean, we did eight shows a week for a year. And you don't have a night to hang out with friends or and your days resting. And it's like really intense. So I highly out, I would say yes to it, especially with three kids now. But like I'd say yes to like little project that was like you know, for a little bit of time, I love that world. I think they are amazing people. It made me realize how jaded we are as dancers. <laughs> like the ballet world is a little more like, <laughs> but but there's more of a perfectionist aspect to what we do, and we're really hard on ourselves at the ballet. We're in the Broadway world. It's like just sell up for the audience. Everyone's gonna enjoy. Let's have a good time. You know. So, but wow. such talented people. I I developed a lot of respect for what people do on Broadway. It's not easy
0: so not to keep you here forever, but the book itself, what did you, like, what'd you learn that could help other aspiring authors from writing your first book?
1: Oh, interesting. I mean, it was really kind of like just like flushing out journal entries about certain lessons. So there wasn't any huge lessons except like, I learned a lot from my editors on like how to structure a chapter in order to make it interesting and starting with a little lead in and then going into further, you know, the way way they helped me structure it was very helpful. And I always also really relied on them to help me understand what was interesting to the readers, because Mm -hmm. like I would go off on tangents and they're like, oh, we don't want to hear about that. We want to hear about this. I'm like, really? You guys want to hear about that? And so it was always like something different than I expected that people would want to hear. So that was interesting. So my connection with them was really important. And I definitely would not have felt confident putting anything out there into the ether if it wasn't for my two amazing editors. So, and they're both fans of the ballet and we're friends now. So it fun, yeah, it was a fun experience and relationship and yeah. And I, I, I didn't have any time crunches we really like spaced it out and I finished over the pandemic, but we had started in 2017, I think or <laughs> 18. So really we took, I took my time with it.
0: Which is. Crazy. Yeah. Well, I saw your picture on Instagram of you at the Strand and I was like, that's so exciting. So anyway, congratulations on the book and everything else. It's really such an accomplishment and it's just really amazing, especially with three little girls and a huge, yeah. all-encompassing career and everything. So, you know, I would applaud if this was a little, you know, a <laughs> theater, but, you know, you could hear one, the sound of two hands. It's so nice to meet you. It's so nice to meet you too. All right. Well, take care. Bye. (laughs) Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of moms don't have time to read books.